everybody. It's Wayne with Mark and Areed, and we are so excited that you've come to watch the Eat Community Podcast. We know you're going to enjoy it. We actually did it live originally on our Eat Community webinar series, which we also invite you to come to, but you will love this podcast that you're going to be listening to right now. Hey, everybody. Got Wayne Dorban here and William Horvath. Wayne's in Southern California, San Diego, and William is in Croatia. And isn't it cool that we can be talking together with all of you that are all around the world over the Internet? What a, what a neat thing to be able to do. I am sitting in the lobby of a hotel, actually in a hallway, and using my phone to, to talk to all of you and using the Internet. A little bit of the format today is I'm just going to briefly introduce William here. He did a wonderful session two weeks ago that you can go back and listen to the replay of. By the way, a lot of you are probably not yet registered on what is called the Economic Action Team, which is who hosts these presentations. I'm going to register for you. Um, I will get you registered in the next um, probably 24 hours then you're going to be able to go back and watch the replays. Mark, who's on here, and you guys can, you need to get friendly with Mark. Mark is the one who does all our replays and puts it together. Usually, he'll have it ready before I'm ready to put it up, probably within the next 24 hours or less. So this will be up as a replay for everybody to come back and listen to, take notes, um, and, um, and do all that cool stuff with. So I'm going to just turn it over to William. and. Let him go, because he's got a lot to teach us about. All yours, William. Okay, just let me know if you see my screen. I got it. Your screen's great. I'm actually going to turn my webcam off, so um, you guys are going to just be seeing William here. All right, so welcome, everybody. Uh, uh, and I, as I said last time, for you who were there, we're going to start with uh, you know, the importance of contact context of where we are as a society. And this is, this is the big picture. So for, this, this is like an overview of what I said last time. So we have research, research, design, and setup. The whole, the whole project or the whole program is, is you know, designing and setting up a resilient farm and designing our, life, our lifestyles in, you know, in preparation for changes that are coming. And so we are now in the research uh, stage. Uh, uh, so I'll just put a small disclaimer here that uh, I'll be unloading a lot of research and, and a lot of research will be uh, disturbing. But uh, knowledge is power and it's necessary to know where, where we're headed as a society, that we have a realistic view of challenges that we are facing so we can be proactive. So first, okay, research, research and you know, the context before we move. This is going to be a two-part series. And because there is so much to cover, and because there is so much to cover, you know, I didn't invent all all this. Uh, I, you know, I done a comprehensive research, and and you'll be able to find the resources that I used for this presentation at at this link. So you can just go to my website and then you know uh, press press slash eat, and you'll be able to sign up to see those those resources. Okay, so let's start. So. I'll you know I'll take a really really uh, uh, big picture here 
because in permaculture we always we always look from patterns to details. And what I what I have to say is that you know we have reached a turning point in our society. I think the next hundred years uh, will determine whether we perish, perish or thrive. And you know, as I said, we take a, uh, uh, we are going to take a big look. We look always from uh, uh, patterns to details. Where we had as a society is a giant pattern. Your daily life, you know, your grinding, grinding, is actually a small detail in everything. So, so I showed you this uh, this graph last time. This comes from David Holgen, who was the who is co-originator co co of the permaculture permaculture concept. And according to him, you know, we have four different types of future future that we can expect, and it's all based on the energy because energy is the master master resource. It's absolutely critical, and there is no substitute for energy. So this is the big picture. You know, most of the, the debates uh, uh, focuses on immediate future, 10 to 20 years, years. But I think it's important that we get, you know, that we think uh, uh, about changes that are you know, coming in, in, in centuries. So according to him, there are four broad energy scenarios that will provide frame, framework for us to think about you know, various scenarios that happen in the future. The first one is techno explosion. Uh, techno explosion. Can, of course, depends on the new, new, large, and concentrated energy sources, sources uh, that will allow uh, the continual growth in material wealth, wealth, and human power over environmental constraints, as, as well as uh, population growth. Uh, this scenario is generally associated, associated with space travel to colonize other planets. So, if we have enough energy, energy, and if we are able to you know, to go above the constraints of our planet, our planet, we'll probably end up as a civilization that colonizes space in the, in the next. Hundred years. The next possible scenario is tech instability. I, I call this scenario like a green tech future, and this depends on the seamless conversion formation from material growth based on depleting energy to a steady state in consumption of resources and population, if not economic activity as well. As well, all based on no use of renewable energies and technologies that can maintain, if not improve, the quality of services available available for. From current systems, then we, then we have energy descent. Energy descent involves a reduction of economic economic activity, complexity, and population in some sort, uh, as fossil fuels are depleted, and then then the increasing uh, dependence on renewable resources of lower lower energy uh, will over time change the structure of society. Essentially, it will simplify it. This, of course, suggests uh, ruralization. Uh, of settlement and economy with less uh, uh, consumption of energy and resources and a progressive decline in human, human population. I can, you know, I would bet that many of any of you don't actually realize that uh, David Holgren and Bill Mollison Wilson actually developed permaculture as a framework uh, as a response to energy descent future that they were expecting in 1970s as, as they were reading a limits to growth report. And uh, uh, just to quote David Hogan, he said that both Bill and him believed that if the permaculture was going to be projected into a collapsing world and, and would rise as a whole conceptual framework. So this is the or oh, yeah. origin of permaculture. Yeah. Wait, I jumped in for a second. You've got a little bit of an echo. I don't know whether might your mic might just be a little off and it's it comes about okay, I'll just, every five seconds or so. Five seconds or so. so. Is it happening now? That was better. That was better. That was better. That's better, yeah. 
Okay, so the next we have collapse types. And collapse suggests a failure of whole range of interlock interlock systems that maintain and support our industrial society as high quality uh, fossil fuels are depleted and, and climate change radically damages the ecological support systems. The collapse would be, uh, would be fast and uh, you know, compared to energy descent, which would be, uh, which would be slow decline. And it would, of course, uh, involve, involve a major die-off of human population and loss of knowledge and infrastructure necessary for industrial civilization. Uh, this also could include human extinction along with much of, much of plants and biodiversity. So the main question is, you know, where are we, where are we headed? You know, what kind of future are we going to techno-explosion, techno-stability, ability, energy descent or, or collapse? It's my, it's my hope that I will, you know, try to present a case based on the, on the present, present and future trends that will be then able to, you know, understand where we're going, where we're going as a society. And the first trend, trend that we're going to look like, look, look is uh, energy. Our current economy and culture is largely built uh, upon reliance of cheap oil. From the cars we drive to jets we fly, fly to the buildings we live in, uh, to the food we eat, to the clothes we wear, we wear almost everything, you know, everything in our, day, in, in, our, in our fabric of life, daily fabric of modern life, is either powered by oil, built from oil, or made by machines powered by oil. And oil is also a key chemical component in our pesticides and fertilizers, and as well as fueling powered, you know, powering the machinery that tills the soil, harvests crops, uh, uh, processes, and ships our food. So you could say that literally we are, we are eating oil. Well, at least uh, some of us, or most of us, of the society. And it's not just the consumption of oil is increasing, and the whole, whole energy consumption is increasing as well. And experts service are virtually certain that demand for energy will rise dramatically, almost 50% almost over the next 15 to 20 years. And that is large, largely in response to growing population and rapid, you know, rapid economic growth in the developing world. But what we're seeing in, in our energy sector is the growing gap between what is discovered and what is what is produced. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we have increasing production, production but less and less discovery. Uh, many uh, petroleum geologists believe that believe that uh, roughly 90 percent, 95 percent of our world world petroleum resources have already been discovered. And according to some energy groups, uh, the momentous event known known as peak oil has already happened in 2006. And the world didn't end, uh, and this doesn't mean, you know, you know, that we are running out of oil. Uh, it just means that despite our best best efforts, we have gradually less and less oil available each each year, and that is through the an increasing extraction costs. So we can say that peak oil is here, but it is not quite quite catastrophic, and this is because we had substantial substitution by non-conventional oil and gas that has compensated for the significant declines in, in conventional oil production since 2005. And much of this increased production and optimism in today's world, this world uh, derives from unconventional oil and gas being, being developed in North America specifically. And, and two technologies are important here, and that's horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracking. 
And these two are actually driving new new energy, you know, renaissance that we are ex experiencing. And that's that's why you know uh, you, maybe you, you heard, but uh, uh, um, experts are saying that uh, United States is a new new Saudi Arabia with how much uh, uh, how much oil and gas is gas is trapped in the in the shale in, in the shale rocks. But the greatest obstacle, you know, to to uh, actually actually this technology is the environmental cost and, and environmental impact. As much as uh, Extraction of tar, 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 tar sands and oil, oil from tar sands is doing uh, damage to the environment. Uh, this all tells us that uh, getting oil, oil out of the ground is getting harder and more expensive as, as time goes on. So what we have left is hard to get. To get. Uh, it's expensive in money and energy terms. The easy stuff is gone. It's gone. And you know, if there were there was easy stuff to get, get, we wouldn't be drilling. Uh, ultra deep, you know, ultra deep water, waters fracking at enormous expense, or boiling, boiling tar, tar residue uh, from Canadian sands. And this is important because of this, this uh, because it takes energy to get energy, and this is what uh, uh, energy uh, scientists call uh, energy return on energy investments invested. Uh, what this term describes is the ratio of how much energy you need to invest to get that energy energy out of the ground to be able to use it. And fossil fuels, was, uh, they had they, they were abundant source of concentrated energy. Uh, let's say in in the in the, in the 19, uh, 1930s, uh, the cheap oil had uh, energy return on energy investment ratio uh, 100, 100 to one. That means uh, that you needed to, to invest invest one barrel of oil to get hundred barrels out out. This is as close as it gets to free energy, and since then it has been steadily dropping. We are now currently globally at, at ten to one, and as you can see on the on the image, uh, Canadian Canadian terrasins are almost close to one to one. And and this you know net energy is important because now we are coming back to what I said in the beginning. Uh, and this is, is that uh, our culture, our economy, our jobs, and progress of society itself all exist due to this surplus energy. And how much we can produce is is less relevant than how much how much surplus energy there is to fuel the rest. Uh, to can you can you see me? Something happened. Looks fine. Can you see? Fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yep. Yeah, looks fine. Okay. Yeah, I had a slow, slow connection. Okay. So, what was I saying that it, the ratio of energy invested to an energy return uh, is slowly decreasing, and uh, so we are getting less and less uh, surplus of, of energy. And what what we you know how we're going to end up as a society depends on that net energy. Once we get to energy return to, of energy invested to ratio one to one, we don't have energy source anymore. So we move we move from burning wood to burning coal, then to oil. And the question is now what comes next? And what kind what comes next? We have alternative energy, and one of the most most promising is uh, solar energy. 
and you know, globally, globally, when we look globally, we have uh, 174 petawatts of solar energy available, and we are currently using only 16, 16 terawatts. So energy is not scarce. Uh, we just haven't figured out, figured out a way, you know, to get it. In other words, there is abundance of energy, which we just need to tap into. So solar technology or, or photovoltaic technology is improving fast. Uh, we can see, you can see that you know the cost is decreasing uh, constantly, and it has a substantial growth potential that could, dis could disrupt that could disrupt the global energy environment. But the main the main problem with uh, with uh, with solar energy is that it's it's intermittent source. Uh, it only generates power when sun sun is shining, without some uh, efficient energy storage storage such as you know uh, batteries. Uh, we won't be able to fully fully replace our energy generated systems. So for now, it's great great for private applications, but uh, it we, it has a problem of scale, scaling up. It depends on on the grid that we already have, and the grid is grid is not uh, 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 sufficient uh, to make this transition. We can also see in, in that wind technology is increasing uh, in use, and and it's also being improved. Uh, on the on the left on on the bottom right image, you can see bladeless bladeless uh, um, wind generators that are more efficient, cost-effective, environmentally friendly. And on the graph graph on the lower left, you can see that you know wind power uh, global capacity is also is also rising. Yet, despite all these gains, um, other forms of energy innovations are also required. Uh, and the biggest reason is that uh, solar and wind are sources of, ele of electricity. Uh, they represent only 40% of, of, for example, America's energy needs. The remainder is split between, between transportation, 29%, and home and office heating, heating or cooling, 31%. So we need to account for this 60 remaining percent. So what we're seeing is development in bio-based based bio-based uh, bio energy. Uh, promising uh, te technology is uh, biofuel uh, from algae, algae that, that produce combustible carbohydrates, carbohydrates by combining sun, sun, seawater, and CO2. And if this uh, bio-based energy becomes cost competitive, it could ena enable advanced biofuels and other products uh, that derive from, from non-food sources. To at least partially replace current uh, food derived, food crop derived biofuels that we are currently use, using. Also, we are seeing that you know nuclear reactors, fourth generation reactors, are being developed, and they run on depleted depleted sources, nu nuclear waste and weapon grade cores. So we are seeing we are seeing you know we are seeing advancements happening in the you know technological way to uh, replace the oil. But the only question is is will we have time for this transition? And many believe that, that uh, it won't be, you know, this transition won't be easy because the oil and oil and gas industries are very well uh, funded. And the thing is, we won't be able to change that, change that that easily. They won't let go, and they have enough money to hold, to hold it for, you know, to hold on for a long time. Okay, so next is environment. So let's look what's what's happening here. Okay, so first is you know you know let's look at the world population. Uh, so you know in in the last ten thousand years, uh, we can we, we saw exponential population growth growth. It took humankind only 
you know, it took around around nine thousand years to grow the first uh, half a billion people. Then it took another eight hundred years to double double that. Then it took uh, next doubling took only one hundred thirty. And in the last forty years, it just take the forty forty years to you know to double the current world population to nearly seven billion billion people. And it, it's not just that you know world population is growing. Most of the people are you know uh, living in the cities cities now. We are seeing increased urbanization. By 2050, 70 percent of world population will be urban. And in more more developed economies like you know Northern America, we, we can expect that 90 percent of people will be living in the cities. So world world's project, projected population is nine billion by the year to 2050. And as a result of growing population and industrialization, we can expect you know the impact on the earth will be also also increasing. And it's not only that the world population exploded, but you know much of the third world countries are becoming more and more industrialized, and you know they are becoming much more you know, you know consumer oriented, just like uh, we have done done all the way to today. Our you know in our Western countries. And you know, one could say that you know why they shouldn't be entitled to that, as we were you know entitled to that uh, in all these years. So it's becoming increasingly difficult to, to maintain the global food production that is needed to feed the population of nearly seven billion people. And what's going to happen then with nine nine billion that we are expecting in 2050? So this is going to put, you know, strains the growing, the growing population and industrialization, urbanization is going to put uh, strains, strains around food and water resources, and we can expect that demand for food is going to, to you know, going to rise, the demand for water is going to rise, and a lot of people even today are experiencing severe water stress, and we can expect, you know, that, that even increasing in the future. So all of this is. Putting, putting strains of earth resources on food, water, soil, and the natural system is, of course, showing signs of severe stress. The main problem in you know feeding, feeding all the people is you know agriculture uh, destroying the environment, and uh, because you know it needs ex expand to uh, to more area to feed the people to grow crops, and this and this leads to deforestation. And where you know land clearing is releasing carbon and leading to desertification of once forested areas, and then and then you know that process of desertification enters you know like a, a, a negative feedback loop where you know it continues and expands, claiming millions of you know acres of farmland, uh, and also you know we see uh, destructions in in in, in Amazon and. All across the world to grow crops. You know, our soils are also so uh, being degraded and eroded by you know conventional agriculture. Uh, and I saw an interesting you know study study that said from UN that under current farming practices, we have 60 years of harvest left. So so only 60 if we continue as business as usual. Usual. So it takes. Nature from 200 to 1,000 years to generate generate one inch of soil, topsoil. That's 2.5 centimeters. And you know our modern uh, 
agricultural practices often flush away, you know, multiple inches uh, and centimeters of, of topsoil in one single year. And with no soil, there is no, 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 no means, means of feeding humans. And it's not just, you know, that our, that our soils and, you know, forests are being, you know, destroyed. The oceans, oceans fisheries and coral reefs that are the coral reefs, reefs are the rainforest of the ocean. You know, they are even in the worst, worst condition. And then you know forests, and you know today's fisheries are at the breaking point. So far, 11 of 15 of the world's major fisheries are in a serious decline, or have or have already collapses. And if the current fishing trends continue, continue all of the commercial fisheries will have collapsed by 2050. So we have a problem, and you know the earth is giving us feedback that something is wrong. And that feedback comes in, in, you know, in, in the form of climate change. And although, you know, we keep on discussing, you know, is the, is the, is the climate change and global warming caused by humans or not, I would say that's not important because, you know, global warming threat is real and it's happening. And, you know, also, also people are saying that climate has changed many, many times and times before, but, uh, that was in, in, in different circumstances. Now, you know, it's much faster. Uh, it's happening when our ecosystem is collapsing and we have a global civilization of, you know, uh, 7 billion people. People, we have farm infrastructure and, you know, cities. So we're already seeing the impacts of climate change everywhere around us. And, you know, more than uh, evidence, uh, Beyond any beyond any modeling, you know, you know, just uh, just the experience that we are seeing in our daily lives is obviously uh, telling us something that uh, climate change, climate change is happening. We, we are seeing increase in global temperatures, droughts, ex extreme weather events, fast disappearance of Arctic sea, sea ice, and you know, I could I could you know, make a whole presentation about what's happening, but I think that we are all aware of what 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 is happening out there. And the, and the present emission pathway is leading us to almost a doubling of greenhouse gases by mid-century in a business-as-usual scenario. And, and based on that, we can forecast that this is going to lead to approximately 2, two, uh, two, Celsius, two degrees, degrees Celsius warming by mid-century and almost, almost to 6 degrees Celsius under, you know, under the end of century. But uh, we need to be, you know, we need to be aware, aware that sometimes predictions are, you know, on the lower end, and the changes changes are, you know, far far worse. So we can expect expect that uh, uh, this pattern is going to continue of climate change change. And we are we are also seeing that uh, our, you know, biological uh, diversity is suffering as well. We are currently living in a in a in a, in a sixth uh, next extinction event. That is is uh, caused by by, by humans, and, and uh, we are losing on average several species per day. When before it was it was you know much 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 less. And this is also going to continue with uh, runaway climate change. So what we are witnessing is a you know giant experiment that we humans are running, and nobody knows what the, out the outcome will be. As Elon Musk said, we are running a dumbest, uh, uh, the dumbest experiment in the history. 
Okay, so next is next is economy. I'll do economy, and then we can uh, do a break, and then you know you know if anybody has questions, uh, you know you can ask. Ask. Okay, so this is a big one, big one. Uh, let me just take a sip. Okay, so what you need to know to know about economy is that money is created as debt, and all money is loaned into existence. When loans are made, money appears like you know, like magic, magic. And you know, there are two types of money out there. Yeah. The first is bank credit, which is money, just money that is loaned into existence by the bank, and that's you know, when you go to you go to bank and ask for credit. Then the, when the bank gives you uh, your credit, uh, actually bank is creating money based on your you know down payment. And the second type of money is also also printed out of thin air, and but is created by central banks. And uh, um, this is uh, the form of money we call base money, money supply of the nation. This then uh, this money then then forms the base of all other loans, which then are you are used you know by banks and other sectors. Uh, to multiply it. Uh, okay, and this is important because this money, which is created out of thin air, uh, because it, because it accumulates inter interest charges, it promotes the growth, growth of the money supply, even though you know the principal balance is paid back back, and because this interest accumulates over time. Uh, it does the money supply grows exponentially, and this is the system. You know, loaning money into into existence uh, existence at a rate of interest virtually assures assures this outcome. So, because it because it grows by a percentage, uh, it is an exponential system by its very design, and all these leads are to the concept that that the idea or the, the idea that perception perce perpetual expansion is the requirement of modern banking. So, so as you can see on, on these images, uh, every type of, of, of debt or credit or loan, they're all the same thing, is you know growing exponentially, whether it's commercial or industrial loan or loans, whether they are you know uh, total total public debt uh, printed, printed by government or total consumer debt. They're all growing exponentially. And it's not just just that you know debt is you know forced to grow in this economic model uh, to uh, to feed the expanding debt. The whole economy has to grow. It has to expand whether whether people you know want it or not. So that means that manufacturing must increase, increase sales must increase, and consumption must increase. And and what's important to understand is that you know when you hear the numbers that you know uh, our economy wasn't growing or was growing by percentages, anything that thing that's going by some percentage over time is growing exponentially. So that means, you know, if we have an example that uh, our economy is going is going five percent per year, that would mean that uh, in fourteen just just fourteen years, the whole economy would be twice as large as fully fully doubled in just fourteen years. So so, what we have is you know, accumulation accumulation of debt. We have accumulation debt on you know in all, all you know in all sectors and the experience of that of you know the countries developed developed countries and you know even undeveloped is you know, with the debt is significant significant. It doesn't matter is it U.S. or United Kingdom or Japan. Japan. 
the debt is you know the debt is doubling, and since 2000, uh, since 191970, we see an exponential growth of debt, uh, and but we didn't see the uh, growth of in growth of national income or GDP to sustain sustain the debt. So because you know, if you look, uh, you know, if you have a credit card that uh, and your 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 credit card debt is growing, but your income is staying the same. You can see where that is going. You're either going to default, or you know something is going to happen to happen. And we've been seeing, you know, that uh, that, that the global, you know, that is been growing in the doubling almost almost ten years uh, in all the developed countries. And it's and it's you know it's has been growing far faster than GDP. So the main question is, question is what kind of economy is required to support these you know, trillions of debt that we that we that we have now. But to be, you know, to be fair, uh, I have to say that there is, you know, this difference between good debt and bad debt. You know, uh, uh, good debt or investment debt is the one that you, you know, you take on debt on debt, but it, it has a me means of paying for itself back. That, that's, you know, productive debt. But unproductive or consumptive debt is the one that, you know, that, you know the, the consumer debt that you would buy your, you know, computer or 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 or, or your car or. or and this is the debt that is that is you know bad. Uh, that is uh, you're you're borrowing that money from the future into living future life today. Day. So all this debt is uh, uh, actually bringing us you know to uh, accumulation of bad debt. Debt uh, leads to credit bubbles, and and uh, bubbles they you know they they exist when when we have uh, uh, when we have situation or conditions where you have greed, hope, and excessive credit, credit like the credit, like excessive credit we have today. Uh, in, the, in the history, we have many bubbles like gold bubbles, uh, you know, tech, tech bubble, housing bubble in 2008. So this all happens between, you know, when there is too much, uh, too much credit in the, in the in the system, and uh, asset prices rises beyond what's able, what, what you know, what, what the price is. Um, but what happens happens with all bubbles is that you know bubbles burst, and that's what that's what we saw in 2008. We saw an accumulation of bad debt in 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 the in the whole financial system. You know we saw uh, de you know bad bad debt with you know bad mortgages and and over leveraged banking institutions, and, and this is like a, this is a natural process that you know happens. Uh, we see see you know like a, we see a financial crisis that the the, the they leverages the bad debt, and then we go again, and and that's what exactly what happened in 2008, when so prices prices fell across you know stocks, bonds, real estate, and all other, all other you know wide number of other asset classes, and you know ever since 2008 we have have seen a slow recovery, uh, we can we saw austerity measures in in European Union. And U U.S., where the crisis originated, has gone slightly better. And historical studies show that recessions are, you know, involving financial crises tend to be deeper and require require recoveries that are twice as long. And so, what we're seeing, we're seeing is that our international economy is characterized by various regional and national economies moving at significantly different speeds. That is a pattern that uh, is reinforced by the 2008 financial crisis. So what we're experiencing is, you know, the long tail, a 2008 crisis, long tail, tail. 
Um, and it's still still dragging because the underlying problem has not been uh, solved, solved. And that underlying problem is, you know, uh, accumulation of debt. And uh, debt accumulation of debt, you you have you have uh, you, you either can repay the debt or you can default. It. And you can pay the debt by you know using the productive, using the using your country's income income your GDP. And that is highly unpopular. Or you can either either you know borrow more money to pay off the debt, or you can default. So so what every you know what central government what central what central banks have uh, done in 2008 was that they started to try to print money in order to pay or to pay to repay all the debts. That's actually making the whole situation much worse. And as you can see in this in this image in the top left image, this is a total. Uh, 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 total monetary base. That means you know how much debt there is. There is, and since 2009, you can see the recessions in in these uh, shaded areas. And after 2008, we've seen expansion of debt or, or of even more. And this, and this, of course. I'm afraid that we might have lost William there. Are you guys hearing him? Put a put a one in if you're still hearing William. I am not. No, and his webcam is frozen. All right. Well, let's hope he gets that figured out here. This is awesome presentation. Uh, I sense some of you being a little bit impatient. This is really important. Um, uh, the debt is uh, not not uh, solved. Okay, so next technology. I don't know if anybody has any questions. I'm happy to answer, sir, because this was yeah. William, we probably lost about your last thirty seconds. So if you wouldn't mind repeating that, your your webcam froze up. So go back one slide further. Um, you were talking here about the bubble and how. Um, the debt crisis has caused a little bit of an artificial feeling, and that's where we lost you. So, if you wouldn't mind, maybe repeat that. Now we've lost. Now we're not hearing you at all. So your mic is off. Ooh. Wow. Not a real recovery because, uh, as, I, as I said, there are three ways, actually two ways, to deal with uh, you know accumulated debt. You can either repay it or default on it. And in order, in order to repay, you know, you can use your national uh, income, your GDP, GDP, or you can use your central bank to print more money, actually issue more debt to then uh, pay, repay the debt, the debt. And that's what we've been seeing since 2008. And as you can see in the lower, the lower, in the upper left image, we we see a uh, accumulation of more and more debt as you know, central banks are printing more and more and more money. And this is, of course, the excessive. Excessive, you know, this money is actually disappearing into banking, and and you know, creating a speculative bubbles in asset classes of all, of all kinds. We have all kinds of bubbles, and as we are seeing in the lower lower left image, uh, in stock we also have bubble. But but you know, you can see bubble in in uh, in housing prices and you know and commodities and and other, 
we are currently living in a, in a bubble and that is going to unfold in some you know maybe it's going to unfold in five years year, five years two years one year but we are currently that that is that is the fact and what we know from history what we know that how the economic economic cycle works is that you know after after uh, after growth there is a peak and then there is a recession that's totally natural and periods of relative uh, financial tranquility has always been followed by waves of default and restructuring and what I'm saying is that uh, we, are, we are probably due for uh, another restructuring restructuring or deleveraging of bad debt. Awesome. Well, Katie asked a great question. So, and, and you should probably mute your mic while I'm talking. Uh, okay. You hear me now? Um, she says, how do we get the message out to other people um, that current financial systems are not sustainable without being called doom mongers and being dismissed. And by the way, a couple of people have left this already today because they said, oh, this is just doom and gloom. So um, that's the way people feel. So it's a great question, Katie. Um, I hope you're hearing me. William, why don't you jump back in? I'll uh, mute myself now. Not hearing William again now. We're having, a, you know, as you can tell, that echo that you're you're hearing there is something related to his internet quality. Remember, this is amazing. This guy's in Croatia. A bunch of us are in the United States and in South America and in Australia, everywhere around the world, and we're listening to this. Great information, um, Katie. I think the way we do it is what we're doing here today. I'm going to give my answer, and I hope William comes back on. Um, yeah, but we lost him entirely. Is he off? I, I'm not looking. I can't look at the questions and then look at the attendees also. Um, I Mark. still see him on the attendee list. Okay. Um, we've, we've seemed to have lost his audio and his video for now. But I, I think the way we get it across is we just give a message out just in matter-of-factly in the way that William's doing it. We get it out in multiple forums in front of lots of people. Um, and we use all the different groups that are out there. Regeneration International, for example, is now going to become one of our partners. TerraGenesis is becoming a partner. Um, already Sustainable Design Masterclass is more and more people. And let's play it as a marathon. Take it one bite at a time um, and get the information out in that way. Um, the slide says UK debt equals 900% of GDP. However, all the references I have seen to quote 80, 90%. I'm not a, um, a UK debt person at all, Mary, so I can't help with that. Um, I hope William comes back on here and we can get this. Um, this uh, the next question from Leslie is, this is on the finances, have just been posted via a company called Agora. Um, it's here, it's coming. Um, I'm not sure what you, Leslie, I understand what you're saying, but when you say this is on the finances, maybe that's something you're talking about the slide. Um, my only bone of contention, this is from Frank, is global warming, climate change. I totally agree that man is wreaking havoc on the planet. The awards and global, um, globalists raping, pillaging, and enslaving, and profiting a lot. 
so are our politicians and wishes, so me, my focus is actually what to do myself, my family and community, and build from here, which is, I think, going to be what William's going to talk about in some depth as he moves along in his series. Um, Chris Jones asks, are these, were, are these webinars a series that could build on previous? Yes, William's going to be talking maybe for the next 30 weeks. Um, we're our whole series here. We've had over 180 hours of webinars to this point. And we're gonna, you're going to be getting a membership to our free site to where you can get some of those replays, not all of them. We actually, um, again, there's hundreds of them now. And we have what's called an elite membership that we can talk about later that will allow you to get all the webinars that we've done. That's the whole point of this community. I didn't quite understand from the written info, and I missed the first one. Is this a series? He doesn't have any connection at all. Um, is there info on what's covered and what dates? Today has little interest to me. Then great, why don't you get off? Um, so the reality is, you know, that's <laughs> William, we lost you for quite a bit there. Um, and we're going to give out tough love. Again, nobody's forcing anyone to be here, and you're here free. You can do whatever you like and be wherever you want, whenever you want to be. So instead of just putting negative up on here, why don't you just leave? And that really should be for everybody. Um, blockchain or Bitcoin, is this offering hope? William, are you hearing us at all? He's coming back on, but I'm not sure whether he's hearing it or not. Okay, I can hear it now. Yeah, yeah there's been several questions. Quite a few people yep. really negative. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I've told them. Um, so, but here's one. Um, blockchains or Bitcoins, is this offering hope? A quick, great question from Penny. Did you hear that? Block, Which one is blockchains or bitcoins? Yeah. Okay. That's. I'll get. To, I'll get to that. But you know, this alternative currency that maybe is going to be. You know. You know. That's. That could be some something that we could maybe transition into one day because it's decentralized. Uh, but in the short term, I think that could be yeah, yeah, we could use that as a means of creating alternative economies in, in between ourselves as a permaculturist that are you know into sustainable, sustainable agriculture uh, as a means of bypassing you know central you know uh, central governments and uh, and, and banking. Uh, so I'll, I'll touch on that. I'll touch on that later. But but for now, it's okay. a it's a it's a it's a, a, a viable solution for some of us that want to use that uh, as a means of, of you know, trading. Okay. So Mike says, I wish you would not use the term printing money. The correct term is creating money. I have been preaching yeah, okay. this for years, okay. and it's hard to get people to listen. It gets too complex for people every very quickly. So great comment, Mike. You're certainly welcome to your feelings there. Um, and another one here, Mark Bidler says, the crash course by Chris Martinson, website, yeah. book, and DVD is the best resource I've found on the financial crisis. It's very well researched and easy to understand and not alarmist. I'd recommend him pointing people to Chris's work. That said, most people aren't open to hearing this info, so you have just to let, go, let it go. And that's probably a good point. Um, this is one of the reasons. Again, folks, you guys... This, I'm going to read these, but it's really William's course. Your, your opinions are important, but we do have actually a question and answer period that we could do another time. 
Um, mm -hmm. Lynn says this is one of the reasons that I joined the Eat Time to find out that it, to fi I find it frustrating to me how difficult it is for me to actually transition to a permaculture lifestyle. And most people think that I just want to be a Harvey farm and not an actual serious permaculture farm. Um, and then she comes in. I saw I'm really enjoying these webinars. Um, Bitcoin leverages the current system, and I do not see it all as a solution, just an extension. So there's a lot of people's opinions yeah. here, and that's great. Yeah. You, um, mm. Not you guys have questions. Throw in some questions if you have them. Um, so Thomas says super webinar. Cryptocurrency requires the grid, no guarantees of that, or the government can do it. Again, I think people just a lot of vetting of their own feelings, which is great. So I don't see any other specific. Well, oh, here we okay. go. Um, Warren says, when are you looking to uh, at alternatives? Uh, he's just making a comment also. I'm sorry. You guys are going to get a copy of all this in the replay. So um, if you've got questions, um, just please ask. So Chris says, thanks for the clarification. Sorry, I didn't intend to be that negative. I just missed that info. I just signed up from an email. Didn't look like the website. Thanks again. Um, so on the Facebook page, um, people have been talking about gap between producing and marketing. Happy to learn about contacts. So somebody's thanking you for that. So appreciate that. Um, the, introduction, the introduction of universal income will allow people to take up. Again, I don't see many questions. Just a lot of opinions. Okay, okay. Opinions are yeah, great. Yeah, that's, so. yeah, that's great. But you know, okay, okay. This is you know that there's a thing. Whole books are written about this uh, this subject. You know, I didn't you know I didn't uh, invent this. Uh, didn't just came you know out of ether. You know, I done research, and whoever, whoever wants to learn more, I'm just you know opening eyes to what's happening happening there. You know, it could be uh, seen as negative, but uh, it's important to understand what's happening so we, so we can you know adapt our lifestyles and create you know uh, resil resilience in our life. So. That's why this is important, I would say. Um, Keith asked, do you run courses in Croatia? No, 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 no. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of people who are saying really good positives in here, too. There is one question I think looks legitimate. Back on your slide mm -hmm. that has the UK debt, that it shows 900% of GDP, um, she says she's seen other references of 90, 85 to 90% of GDP. So mm -hmm. she was just wondering where that, where that data came from. Well, well probably uh, this is all kinds of debt. It's, it's you know, non-financial, it's financial, financial, and the financial debt because of the city of London it is probably the one that is contributing, and that's all the speculating rating that's being done in the city that is... Uh, uh, a state, a state for itself in the middle of London. So you know, if we have only, have only household and government and and non-financial, then it's much much less. But that's probably why it's so huge here. And I have two more here. These are good questions now. Great people, thank you for putting this. How do we get the policymakers um, to listen? So she then she says maybe potentially a permaculture lobby to the government. Well, uh, I don't think that they. You know, I'll, I'll get. I'll get to that later, uh, and I'll explain explain why I think that uh, our politicians won't be able to, able to do anything because the whole system has too much inertia. And even if you have a politician who will listen, 
it's just too complicated for him to make uh, any any changes in our system. And you know, we'll see we'll see later we'll see later what I mean. Okay, awesome. Again, remember, William's going to be talking for weeks on this, so he'll get to these things. Lynn asks, uh, how do we transition from a non-debt society to debt societies? Is there something that happened that caused that? Well, uh, uh, I think we need a clean slate. We need to, you know, you know something. Uh, that's that's what I what I was trying trying to say. When we have a recession, recession is actually a good uh, uh, feedback from the system that uh, what is happening happening is not good, and then we get the leveraging and then uh, we have a clean slate that we can then mold to our needs you know once again but that didn't happen after 2008 we just continue what we were doing before accumulating more debt so, so now we are even in a more bigger uh, bubble uh, and only after a recession that's my own opinion that we'll be able to put another system in place so that's a good one for you. You did address it a little bit last week. But William, are you finding enough time of having to work a day job to develop your permaculture system fast enough so that you can see time date arriving for stepping off the grid? Uh, first thing is uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's all about priorities. And I'll talk about you know, developing the farm. So first, our priorities. Uh, you know, the second is you know develop developing uh, multiple income streams. That's important. Uh, and uh, you're 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 saying uh, time time. Uh, my whole time is divided between you know the website work work the research I'm doing and writing and the work I do outside. So what so what I do is I spend at least uh, uh, every day you know, two hour, two hours dedicated to building my better future. And, and that uh, that helps me to keep you know keep my keep my sanity because I know that I am doing you know you know something good for my future, and that also eliminates fear and anxiety because anxiety resides in you know in that gap between what I know that know that I should be doing and what I'm doing. So by doing something every day, I don't believe the systems. I'll get to that later. We are not you know, collapse is not going to happen overnight. And you'll see what I'm saying after. You know, we can have all the questions after. This is my. This is the main point. The collapse is not happening overnight. Awesome. Mary just makes a point, but then she asks a question, and she said that Ivana Trump, Ivanka Trump, has talked about taking up the climate change issue as her agenda, and then she commented about Al Gore. But anyway, bottom line, um, she says is the way that this group can get permaculture messages to her. I hope so. I don't know why there, we couldn't, why any of us couldn't, but as a group we're even stronger. A group of, a small group can do a little, and a little bigger group can do a little bit more, and if we work together, it's like twines of, of thread put together. One twine is not very strong, two is a little bit stronger, three is a lot, lot stronger, four and more is way stronger. So yeah, we can do a lot, and, and it's just up to us what we're willing to do. William, it's, it's coming up close to the top of the hour. You can go as long as you'd like. Um, we could make this as a break point, and, or else you've got other stuff that you wanted to continue with. Up to you here. Uh, I, I can continue, but you, you just tell me for how long, because um, 
I'm, I'm a little bit more than halfway, I think. Okay. Well, and again, there's still a lot of people out there that are willing to be listening. I think the serious ones are there. Throw in some ones, everybody, if you'd like William to keep going um, here. He's got about you know another probably half an hour of information, or yeah, if yeah, you'd like yeah. him to take a break and continue to, everybody's throwing ones in. They want you to keep going, man. So I don't see anybody not saying yes to that. Um, I'm going to just quickly, before he does that, because I think I told everybody at the start, I'm going to yeah. jump off. Deb and Mark are going to continue. I'm going to just quickly talk about one thing here. I'm going to take over the screen for just a second and um, change the presenter to me. Where am I on here? Whoa, that's weird. There's millions of people. There it is. There I am. So you guys seeing my screen? Put a one up there in just a second if you're seeing my screen. Guys, see it? Yeah. Throw a one yeah. in the questions. Okay, good. Yeah, I am. So yeah. real quickly through this, um, a lot of people have asked, how do I get this information? Okay, and I'm just going to put this here, quickly go through this. You can get it by becoming a member of this group called the Economic Action Team. And um, I'm not going to talk through all this stuff. You can read it. You can actually just write me an email, and I'll send you a link to this presentation. But this is way bigger than just William's presentations. Right now, we've got up to 15 hours a week of broadcasts from world experts teaching on all these kinds of topics. And you want to get into detail. You want to hear about, for example, um, shrimp aquaculture that I talked about last night. And you come to that section. You don't want to go to that session, you go to another session. We're trying to pick hundreds of these different kinds of things out. Our goal is to get to where we're talking for 168 hours a week. That's how many hours there are in a week. Um, and you can get this. You can just become a member of our free team, and then you'll get invited to all these sessions. You can pick which ones you want to go to, and don't go to other ones. We only started this in June of this year, and we're going to hit 5,000 members by the end of the day today. Uh, once I get everybody logged in. And that's a pretty amazing growth. And that means some people are interested in this. So this is not pitching. You haven't heard us talking about any courses. We're not going to hurry. That's why we're not pushing William. He can go for as long as he wants. We believe we've got the best teachers on the topics on the planet for the things that we're teaching about. And you could potentially become a teacher and a coach. The biggest thing we want to do here is we want you to help build your business. If your desire, for example, is to get to Ivanka Trump and to give the message that permaculture is, then let's all work together and help that become a reality. Um, that's our goals. Um, so you can join for free, and you just go to this website that's shown here, seed.mykajabi.com. We're going to actually join you that are attending this, but if you've got other people, we have an affiliate program where you can actually get prizes and things for helping people sign up. Plus, we also have a paid version of this. And, um, and it's $75 a month. We've got hundreds of, of, of different testimonials from people who will tell you how valuable that is. But we're offering a great deal right now. You can get the first month for just two bucks. So that you can get all these webinars, all their replays. All the lives are free. But if you want to get all the replays, we have an elite membership where we have a special for $2. Um, there's all kinds of two things that you're going to get. I'm not going to go through all this right now. Um, you can just read this and you can get it later. But real simply, here's how you do it. You just put this discount code, William3, William3. When you sign up, there'll be a place to put that in, and you can get into it for $2. 
There's all kinds of bonuses that we'll also give you um, that are worth way more than that. And I'm just going to put this slide on for a second. Um, again, William 3, if you want to do this, which is limited to the first 100 people that want to do this. Um, we're really doing this for certain of our speakers. And again, here's some information about it. And I'm going to stop there, turn it back over to William, and let him just continue teaching because this is awesome stuff. All right, William, it's all back to you, man. Okay. So am I sharing the screen currently or you are? Or you are? Uh, I can't hear you. Uh, I'm going to see your screen up there. You can see it here, yeah? Um, I'm going to make you the presenter. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's it. Okay, thanks, thanks. All right. There you go. Yep. Just a second. Okay. So, let me just do this. By the way, your your volume is a lot better now. Okay, so it's better now, yeah? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I'll continue for those of ones who are left and and who are still interested. Uh, the next, you know, big big thing that we are going to look at is technology because everybody likes technology. Technology. I like technology, and technology is maybe going to save us for us for our troubles. And you know, you know, we all remember, you know, the day, days when we had you know stupid old computers. And I was born in 1982, uh, and on the lower left image you can see Commodore 64. Uh, this was my first computer, and you know if I if I remember I had uh, had uh, you know cassette cassette player where I would put my cassettes and it, it would load for you know ten or ten minutes depending on the complexity of the game, and then and then I would eventually have game. And in the same year in 1982 we have a, have a executive portable Osborne executive portable. That's a bleeding, bleeding edge computer. You know, uh, it weighed you know 12 kilos. You know, that's 28 pounds, and cost a little over 2,500 dollars. You know, and if we compare what we have to have today with you know iPhone, uh, with this 100 of you know you know of uh, weight and one tenth of the cost, while at the same times you know 100,000 times more more of memory and 150 times more of processing speed. So, what I'm saying here that uh, technology, technology is you know, the 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 growth in technology, technology is also following exponential growth. We are seeing a accelerating growth in technology, and this is because of the Moore law, who states that every two years uh, we have uh, uh, the number of transistors on an integrated circle that doubles, and then computers get uh, twice as fast for the same price. price. And this you know, stand increase in computer power, speed, speed, memory, coupled with the drop in price, is exponential potential change at work. And what I'm going to address first here is here, you know, maybe you know all the environment and energy and and and, and economy thing. Maybe you you know you are all aware of, but but where we as a society when it comes to information technology are going are going, uh, this is becoming you know really interesting. 
because information technology is entering big data era, and big data is just a just a fancy word of that you know there is a lot of data available, and now we are we are finally able to process that data and store it for almost almost free. And it's not like we didn't have data before. We had data, had data before, but now we have means of storing, analyzing, and and uh, using the data in all imaginable imaginable um, uh, ways that we want. Want, and uh, that means that uh, everything you do, everything everything you buy, everything that you interact with will be you know uh, will be eventually collected and stored in the cloud. And this this will this will both offer you know. Uh, Great services, but also so it will, uh, you know, it will present new challenges uh, for both government and for both individual individuals. So what what we're moving, moving towards is a highly network society, one of networks and sensors. Uh, one big network that we are all aware of is internet, and sensors is are, are little devices that are able to de you know detect detect information, you know temperature, vibration, radiation, and such. Together, together this network and all the sensors are you know going to form something something that is called Internet of Things. You know you can imagine future where all, all these devices that you have from your phone to your screen to your TV to your computer, computer to your uh, to your fridge are all going to be connected connected. You know suddenly maybe you'll be able to find your keys by by just you know, putting uh, it in Google search. So this is the, this is the future where we are going. Also, what is happening, you know, you know uh, is the rise of the social networks in the last you know ten years. Ten years, and uh, they are becoming you know the fabric of online existence. And you know, you know, we we get more and more services that are integrating into everything that we do we do online. And you know, if you, if you can imagine just a world before Facebook, before before YouTube, before before all the services that they used to, that you know Facebook didn't exist until until 2004. So the world before before these social networks is almost unimaginable, and we we we're seeing we're seeing that people are embracing it and you know finding innovative uses of these networks. Networks, you know all the logos in the lower left, you know Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, Google Plus, LinkedIn, Wimail. Um, Snap, Reddit, you know, the, you know, these networks are all around us, and and you know, in the future, they're going, they are going to become even more important for corporations, for governments, and for us individuals, as I'm going to outline that in you know, in later stages. So, because of this, you know, highly connected, connected Internet of Things, you know, and this big data. And, and you know this network society that will be living and already are living. We are going to see rise of smart cities, and these smart cities are going to going to maximize uh, you know productivity, uh, you know and 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 hopefully you know resource use. Uh, we can we can also expect that you know you'll be able as a as a you know a, a citizen living in that city, you'll be able to. Interact with us with the city smart infrastructure, and we're already doing that today. You know, when you have app and app on your mobile phone, and you're uh, seeing based on you know G you know GPS where the next tram, when the next tram is coming, or where it is. This is you know this is this is the future that we are already living in, and you can also imagine that future cities will be will be built with this technology already integrated. That will will you know that can make. Um, this can make uh, cities of uh, you know urban nightmare or something you know, really efficient. 
that is still yet to see. see. And of course, all these social natural networks, all these surveillance, all, all these connected technologies will both, will both give, you know, will give governments an you know, unprecedented ability to monitor citizens. And because of the cheap, you know, cheap storage of their data, data, or because of the rise of artificial intelligence, or because of the rise, rise of uh, interconnected society, it's going to become increasingly easy to create a surveillance, uh, surveillance city. Well, where everything is going, everything that you do will be tracked, and because and because it's easy, you know, it's easy to uh, store the data. Data it's going to be analyzed, and it's going to be it's going to be. Um, I, I wouldn't say used for bad for bad purposes, but you know, bad used for bad purposes uh, can be can be you know government using it to track its citizenship, or 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 something you know like private companies. Making a, 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 a profile of you as a consumer, so we can we can all see that surveillance will increase with time. With time. Next big trend in technology is automation and, and advanced manufacturing technologies. And the first of these technologies is 3D printing. This is something called additive manufacturing. That's a group of technologies that allow a machine to build an object project by adding one layer of material and time. So they're already in use, but but you know you can say they are sh shitty versions, and they're able to make uh, models from plastics. But you, you can clearly see the trend where this this type of manufacturing could replace some conventional mass production. So 3D printing in future will allow you know individuals to create you know um, physical items from digital blueprints. The next trend is artificial intelligence and robotics. Combining adding into automation, and we can see that you know uh, when it comes to when it comes to robotics, we can see that you know we uh, there are, we are extend, extending the capabilities of robots. Uh, they are crossing boundaries between between industrial robots and non-industrial robots. Uh, although you know their their cognitive abilities yet need to be um, you know improved, improved. But uh, can you imagine in you know what will happen in 20 years is with, with these highly disruptive uh, technologies when they're going to be in, in, in place? We can see that you know they could eliminate human labor as much as much as you know back in in the uh, era of uh, 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 when the cars were produced by humans, and then you know everything was done by the machines. We can also we can see this kind of disruption coming in the future, and military is already using, using you know robots, and, and it's going to increase the use of robots in the future, because why not? If you can you know if you can control the robot from United States, it's it's fighting in, in in Iraq, why not? Also, we're going to see because of this AI and you know robotization, we're going to see remote and autonomous vehicles, of course, drones and self-driving vehicles. And you know, you know, we can see remote uh, remote vehicles used uh, in military, and you know, for specific industrial tax tasks in, in remote operations. Uh, but the trends are showing that that you know we're going to use it even more and more. And in the lower left image, you can see an autonomous tractor, and uh, it looks a little bit scary. But this is the, this is the trend where big ag is going. Within the next, you know, five to ten years, we can, we can expect that uh, we'll have autonomous tractors that will, that will, you know, uh, begin to take on a full range of roles in large-scale scale farming. And this will probably look like like a big uh, manufacturing operation. 
Uh, and beyond this, this, artificial intelligence is going to reshape our lives in many other sectors. But, but as I said, this is beyond the scope of this presentation. I just want to, want to you know, make aware uh, uh, of the trends that, trends that are coming. Okay, so what, what can we expect in the coming years? Um, so what is happening in response to these existential threats? We are seeing a lot of handshaking, uh, we are seeing a lot, of, a lot of smiling, you know, political notes and signing of the documents. But talk is cheap, you know. Uh, real solutions uh, will be among, amongst the most expensive ones. And the, the most radical, radical test that humanity ever, you know, taken in the history. So our, so our entire food and energy production system will have to be re-engineered. And we won't say, we won't, uh, uh, Solve our problems by signing few policies or signing, you know, you know, changing few policies or signing few agreements. And most of the of the responsible nations, what they are doing is, you know, uh, doing a little bit, little bit more than uh, making soothing noises publicly while continuing with businesses usually in the background. And some of them, like you know, Donald Trump, are open, are open publicly saying that they don't believe in climate change and you know, uh, we need to continue growth at all costs. So the problem is that we're continuing with business as usual. This is this is just one example that I saw, you know, on my Facebook feed. Uh, you know, while while you know the Canadian Prime Minister is saying one thing publicly in the background, you know, uh, Canada is giving enormous subsidies to these fossil fuel producers. So when it comes also to climate change, we are seeing that mainstream policy is shifting from mitigation to adaptation uh, because internationally nobody wants to to disadvantage itself in a competitive, competitive global, global economy uh, when it does not trust that others will do the same. So we are seeing actually failure of uh, intergovernmental climate, climate and trade negotiations as we speak. And the core problem of, you know, uh, that it's never really publicly recognized is by politicians or central planners is that our system of money, money and our banking and the financial systems are hopelessly, hopelessly addicted the exponentially growing piles of debt and money. There is no collective political will to reform the monetary system away from the dependence of perpetual growth. And we're also seeing you know, the, you know, the, the, the continuation of the global financial crisis uh, in, in, and in, let's say in Greece uh, and other places well, Italy, Europe is especially, actually, especially you know, in trouble. So we'll need, you know, we need what we need is a consistent government, government financial support for the development of new energy technologies. And there is no significant effort currently other way, underway, underway from the government. What we are seeing, we are seeing private companies uh, doing the work, work for the government, and they are doing that in a, in a, in a, in a, in an environment where you know free market, big business such as coal and oil has begun, has been given huge tax tax advantages. And subsidies, uh, while you know giving them uh, unfair advantage over the renewables. This is just a picture of the Tesla Gigafactory, and and you know this is the man who is trying to do uh, real change, change despite all you know the bullshit that we get from our politicians. So we have countries that are doing you know necessary work. You know we have uh, been, you know Denmark or Germany. And this, and this is on the lower lower left is a Tesla solar roof, 
and 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 we have this train uh, from from Germany. But what I'm trying to say is that all these technologies are not are not not yet equal to the task. They have been advancing nice nicely, but we need to do much much more. The whole system would be, be needs to be re-engineered if we want to transition to something more sustainable. sustainable. And honestly, I'm not seeing that currently happening. So, which brings me to my main point, and that is that, is that central government systems are rigid and slow to change, and they, and they don't adapt and enroll until they absolutely have to. There is no collective political will to take actions and to power, to power down or reduce emissions. And what I was explaining earlier is that even if we have informed politicians, but what has what has to be done, and they have you know will to do that, they don't have the freedom of action action that would require to actually deliver that uh, whatever they want, because simply system has too much inertia. It's too bureaucratic and it's too unresponsible, too unresponsive. So I don't think it's realistic to ex to expect our leaders and to make uh, this mindset shift on their, on their own uh, before they can't keep their heads above water and water anymore. There are just too many people who are invested emotionally, financially, actually, and otherwise in continuing the status quo for as long as possible. It just shows that if the establishment can deny, ignore, or delay dealing with problems, it will. So in the coming years, we can expect, expect more business as usual, increasing global extraction rates, rates of important non-renewable commodities, ex expansion of the energy and resource industry industries to mega projects, or or even more on, on even more unprecedented scale, uh, uh, economic growth at all costs, and accumulation of more debt, more pollution and greenhouse emissions, despite despite the climate change, and I would I would reason that this is is completely normal, because this is what natural systems do. Do If you heard about overshoot in carrying capacity, then you know, carrying, carrying capacity is uh, a capacity of ecosystem uh, that, that to maintain specific number of organisms indefinitely uh, in a particular habitat that is favorable, favorable uh, in a stable circumstances. And overshoot happens, happens uh, when uh, circumstances become particularly favorable for a local, local organism for a while, enabling that particular organism to flourish and, temperature, tem and, and it then temporarily exceeds the ecological carrying capacity of its local system. And, and what happens then is, of course, it crashes. So we can see that in examples of, of, of uh, yeast, in example of uh, uh, deer, and in example of fish population. So this is this is completely normal that once the, we have favorable conditions, we we just keep on exploiting resources. But we even have bigger problem, and that is our no, no political leaders that are basically you know uh, psychopathic in nature, to say at least. So obviously there is a change ahead, but you know we humans are not doing much to prepare. In the complex systems under stress, they tend to resist resist change until they reach a breaking point. And most people resist change and tend to avoid anything that's uncomfortable. And we remain in our comfort zone until we are forced, forced out of it. And you know, you know that from your own experience, experience in your own life. You know, we are postponing going to dentist because you know the pain is not that significant yet. And once you know pain is is intolerable, when we come, it's already too late. Or we eat eat uh, or we eat uh, food that is not healthy because the consequences of, of 
eating that food are you know in the future and and we are not as humans wired to deal with uh, with long term you know you know perspectives we rather um, we, we, we rather just react to short term uh, dangers so that's why I said that most likely we will continue being your business as usual we'll be we'll be doing that uh, as, as long as we can and until there is a disruptive crisis or a global emergency of some sort. Uh, the current system is, is corrupt and it's unlikely to change without a crisis. It's, as I said before, it's already invested in business as usual. You know, you know, our currently current energy infrastructure, banking sector, everything. You know, you know, is um, too. You know, it's too hard to change change anything. Even you know, a conversion to a steady state economy running on renewable energy is unlikely without a massive geopolitical economic crisis or some kind of shift shift that's going to perpetuate that. So the main the main question is: Are we headed for a collapse? This is the main question, you know, you know that I want you to get from this presentation. So here is what I what I would say that you know instead collapse uh, historical examples suggest a more gradual or less complete decline process so it's not going to be like a big you know it's going to be collapse overnight or night if it's going to be something it's going to be rather uh, a gradual gradual decline and this graph shows here um, um, the growth curve of Roman Empire and you can see you know it's not collapsing suddenly it's a sudden, you know, it's a sudden in certain points, but it's actually it's actually gradual decline. And what happens is that complex human societies they start off in a situation where they are able to solve problems by adding additional complexity, additional institutions, regulation, taxes, bigger military. But for a long for a long time, that's a good way to solve problems, and it works, and it produces produces a positive return on investment at least for a ruling class. But but at a certain point of society, and that's happening usually eventually when they run up against limits of whatever they're they are getting their energy from or you know local resources that they are over depleting, they reach a situation where investing into additional complexity is actually provide, providing diminishing returns and eventually negative returns. So things start things start to decline and we get simplification. We don't get get, get collapse, we get simplification. So that's why that's why I said that you know complex systems under stress they tend to resist change until they reach a breaking point, and then they alter their state very very quickly. So this is something that I adapted adapted from you know David Hogan and what he's saying that you know collapse is going to be most likely a slow decline, uh, characterized by a series of steady states punctuated by crisis crises or mini collapses. That destroys some sort of uh, industrial or consumerist culture, or some sort of our culture that we are used to, used to, and then they perpetual change. And is these changes are going? Are these changes going to be positive or negative? It's uh, yet to see, yet to seen, yet to be seen. Actually, a lot of them are saying that uh, we are actually going to experience, you know, a, a gradual decline without without going to more positive futures. But I'll, you know, I'll leave that, leave that. On much positive note, that you know maybe you know maybe after you know you know this crisis we can we can uh, eventually progress into more or better society because if you see on this image, okay, so the Roman collapse, the Roman Empire did collapse, but here we are we are again you know as a society, um, much more advanced, much more much more better off, 
but you know making the same mistakes as as they did before so i would say that you know the future is uh, uh, going to you know we're going to have these mini shocks uh, or you know mini, you know mini collapses that are going to be periods of you know crisis conflict breakdown or for example just gfc of 2008 great financial crisis 2008 everything was fine was fine until one day you know we had a crash and then that you know you know recession has been dragging ever since then so this is the kind of this is kind of, kind of uh, crisis or, or collapses or shocks that we can that we can expect we can expect some kind of energy crisis water wars water wars I, I did put here disruptive technologies because they are going to disrupt our, our way of living or you know some kind of climate extreme events or financial crisis as well so what I want to say that you know you know even now post recession you know we are living and, and you know our lives are normal and because we get used to, to that being normal but then you know and then we, we get these shocks and you know things get you know a little bit scary but then we again uh, the stabilization that is after is a new normal and we get used to that and uh, what I'm trying to say that we'll probably you know you know there won't be collapse overnight what you can expect are these shocks that are going to change our society in some way, maybe for better, maybe for maybe for better. Long term, probably we are going to experience decline. But what comes after after the decline uh, is, you know, maybe you know more positive things rather than you know negative things. So this is where, this is where I'm going to stop. You know, next time I'm going to talk about you know possible you know these, these what are these possible future disruptions and paint a picture about the future. And based on that we are going to be preparing for and designing our lifestyles and, and uh, building our, our resilient permaculture farms based on this context because this is, this, is, uh, this is the foundation that we build our resilient, resilient lifestyles on. So that's it. And hopefully people are still, still here. Uh, yes, I. This is Mark here. There's several people with questions, and uh, okay. there are also some people with uh, their hands raised so they would like, uh, come on live. Uh, okay. How can we do that? Okay, I will unmute uh, Barry, and if he, if he wants to speak, uh, he can go ahead and ask the question. Okay. Um, okay, let's see if Jose, Jose wants to speak. Well, we can just, yeah. Hello, Jose, you're on. Well, if we can't hear the audio, I just, you know, I'll just answer oh, questions, oh, questions oh. if there are any. Okay, so I'll look at questions. Now, if anybody has questions, you know. You're speaking now. <laughs> okay, so anybody has question? Let me let me see. K 
Can you find any questions, Mark? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going through the questions. I'm going through this. Okay, you know. With the audio thing is, I'll need to work on the on the audio thing. Right. All right. Okay. So I don't okay. really questions. No. There's a bunch of comments Okay, so if nobody nobody has a question, then we're basically done. And okay, last call. Any questions? Or I'm about to go. About to go. This was a little bit longer than I was expecting that it's going it's going to be. But we'll see you next time. Okay, there is Keith Pierce. He's saying, "Do you earn your living entirely from permaculture-based jobs?" You could say that. You could say that. I have a. It's not a, You know, it's not that simple because because I have my savings. My wife is working. I'm 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 having my website that is generating some revenue, and I have have you know things that I'm you know I'm growing my food. So you know that that that's, that's a sort of income, and I'm selling trees in my nursery. So I have all kinds of things going, and I don't have don't have a single income, but all things are actually with a with a low you know uh, living expenses. I can I can I can say that I'm living from my permaculture based lifestyle now currently. Okay, thank you. What do you see as as solutions? Well, I'm going to get to that in the next presentation, Amanda. Amanda, because uh, I know this was a little bit disturbing because uh, it's uncomfortable information, but I'm, I'm just setting a scene for how we can actually use what is happening, use these trends for our own advantage and set up systems that are resilient and anti-fragile, you know, systems that are going to benefit from the crisis that are coming. You know, and I outlined that in my first presentation all comes down to setting uh, setting up a permaculture farm and your and your lifestyle permaculture farms uh, designing for your for your water designing your living systems your infrastructure using the using technology you know as we saw and, and then developing farm economy uh, I'll be talking you know this whole presentation is all about that yeah sound was not good that that's not good good I looked at truffles, but you know I did an experiment. Experiment where I can, you know, the question is, have you looked at truffles to grow on your on your property? Uh, yes, I looked that into the, I looked at into that subject, but I wasn't because my property property floods. I'm not sure how you know the truffles would respond uh, in my situation. So maybe on my second part, we have, we have my orchard. Maybe things will be, you know, maybe I can do that there. But as I understand. Uh, 
and this really takes time to grow truffles. It's not as easily in you know, the condition it has to all compete the fungi that's already present there. So I'm not sure about the whole truffles thing, but I'll, but I'll, 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 I was looking into that. So there is Amanda. I, I see the trends too. Do do see a combination of technology and natural system systems developments. Uh, I think the question was, do you see a combination of technology and natural natural systems? I see that. I see that because uh, technology that that we have can be overlaid or on our landscape, and that's what I was saying. We have you know water, we have living systems, and then we have infrastructure that is overlaid or our, our landscape that's you know access, access structures that we're using energy that we are generating and also new technologies that you know we might be using in the future and also also alternative currencies that we you know uh, that are being developed so all those things can be used for our advantage we just need to be able to be aware of them because knowledge is power as I said we can be proactive rather you know rather, rather hurt me with the truth than you know consult me with a lie something something like that I think the saying is. Yeah, Eric, I, I'm not sure what's happened with the, with the audio. Uh, that's that's a little bit uh, concern, concerning, but I'll, I'll see. Okay, Keith, do you think think permaculture lifestyle can be enjoyed in a city or suburban areas, not just not just rural? Uh, I think that you you know you can. Use certain because permaculture is, of course, this is design science. Uh, it's a way of thinking, so uh, you can adapt. You know, develop systems uh, in your you know, zone zero and zone one. You know, as you you know, in a in a city, you have only zone zero. Uh, basically, basically, your house or your mind first, and then your house and and. You know, suburban. You have your zone one, one, maybe something zone two. So, as you get more ruler, then then you get uh, zone three and zone four. So, uh, as as a system thinking permaculture can be used anywhere, especially you know you know if you embrace that kind of lifestyle and then become uh, become become accustomed to you know developing these kinds of systems, they they can be transition there. They can use that later in your life because. Uh, I see this as going for a, you know um, this is my life goal living this kind of life and I'm I'm not seeing that you know as a as a, as a temporary thing so when I do uh, when I when I think about my future the future I think also what can I learn in this situation what kind of systems I can develop develop so I can use them later on my property even you know in a, in on suburban or or, or uh, you know in a, in more urban uh, uh, rural setting. So the best. Okay, so Aline is giving me advice about you know audio echo, and yeah, probably I had something, some some other mic was involved while I was rec recording this. Okay, and Diane has a how does how does this movement support a class of industry like tra trades? I don't see the basics and high tech only existing. I'm not sure if I understand your question, Diane. But, but how does the movement support a class of industry like trades? Um, 
I will, I will try to guess what you ask, but I'll say that uh, uh, what I said before, before, and that's that. Uh, this is you know the permaculture design science, science and uh, it becomes a way of thinking. That's why that's why I say my way of thinking is my way of thinking today is is you know how can I look at big patterns before moving to details. And this, this is this is you know the presentation that you know we're having is about big patterns. It's, you know you can see all the graphs. That's big patterns and moving to small details. Details. So this is just one of the principles. And there are you know there are you know there are more more principles from Bill Moss and David Hogan, basically using those principles in your in your life. Stacking functions. You know is is also one great great one. You know what can you you know how how can you use tools in your trade trays that are. Uh, that you can stack functions that, that provide provide you with multiple functions. So, okay, okay. So, if there are no more questions, let's call it a shot now. If you are, yeah, I think I think there are no more questions, Mark. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Um, uh, William, why don't you, don't you mute your computer because I think the echo is coming from your side. When I'm All right. Okay. Let me just. Hello. Okay. So, um, thanks everybody for coming, and uh, tomorrow uh, we'll have. Deb and Wayne are uh, talking about alpacas and uh, they're very special uh, alpaca farmers uh, that you'll find out tomorrow. And um, we'll have the replay of this webinar on our seed.mykajabi.com uh, tomorrow morning. So check that out too. And don't forget to use William3 as your uh, promotion code when you sign up for the uh, elite team. Um, and then I'll give William the last word to uh, say goodbye. So thanks again, everybody. And um, William, uh, just say goodbye, and then we'll stop recording. Right. So thanks, Mark. Thanks, everybody. I hope that you, you know, that you that you learn something, and I hope that you'll be there. You'll be you'll be here next time. And that I'll you know fix my fix my audio problem because that could be that that's a little bit disappointing. Okay, thank you very much. Awesome. I'm stopping. Hey everybody, I bet you enjoyed that immensely. That was one of our most amazing presentations here at the Eat Community. Please look forward to our next podcast in the very near future, and we look forward to seeing you again on the Eat Community Podcast.